today you will experience and the Lord's Supper as well as baptism. And these two alone, if you could teach those to your children, you will have an, they will have a good understanding, as good as you could get, about what Jesus came and did do, not only on the cross, and, uh, but also the fact that he, uh, he set us free from the captive of sin. And uh, I know that there are those who believe that what Jesus did on the cross and the blood that he shed is only um, if you don't sin. The only problem is I, don't, I haven't met anybody that fits that criteria except Jesus. And so you better thank God that that blood that was shed is for eternal salvation and eternal forgiveness. Now, again, relationship is one thing, but eternal salvation is definitely another. But in 1 Corinthians 11, reading from verse, just right now, verses 23 and 24, it says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. You know, today we serve a a wonderful God, but we also know that he brings things in for a reason. Things mean certain things. And when we observe today the event of the Lord's Supper, you need to understand this just just didn't happen a hundred years ago. This goes all the way back uh, 2,000 years ago. As a matter of fact, then it is the base of it is connected even a further 1,000 years of which, of course, we call uh, the Passover, or not we, but the Bible in the regards of God's children and the Egypt event. You see, God appointed a leader to his nation, Israel, and his, the, the leader's name was Moses. God instructed in Exodus 12, 1 through 12, he ex- instructed things that he was supposed to do and go and not only lead the children out, but once they were to leave, he, he instructed Pharaoh that as the leader of the Egyptian nation, that he was to let his people go. Unfortunately, we know that that didn't take place. And, and Moses tried to explain to the Pharaoh that if you don't do this, if you don't, you're, not, if you, <laughs> you're fixing to face the judgment of God. You can either release the, the Israelites or you can come under the Jewish protection. If not, the Bible says that the firstborn man and beast would die as the death angel passed over. And uh, we know that event came as a result of the Israelites having to kill a lamb and eating that as the Passover meal and taking the blood of that sacrifice and placing it upon uh, the sides of the door and over the door and surely as that event took place, Jesus or the Father did send the death angel. And the death angel, when he saw the blood, he passed over. And that individual was saved from their household. In Jesus' day, each Jewish family, they would then, as a result of that celebration, bring a lamb to the temple. And after the lamb was slain by the priest, the meat would be cooked as the Passover meal, and this sacrifice 
reenacted the event that took place 3,000 years ago in Egypt. 2,000 years ago, Jesus took the Passover feast and uh, he gave it a radically different definition and interpretation. He showed that the ultimate meaning was Jesus was the Passover lamb. He became that lamb ultimately that would be slain. That's why you and I don't do that today because Jesus was that ultimate sacrifice, that symbol of his blood that covers our sin and from our forgiveness and the protection of us and our salvation for eternity. A town in Alabama. Have I got anybody here from Alabama? Say amen. A few of you from Alabama. I didn't hear my two boys because they're from Geneva, Alabama. The major livelihood of this town in Alabama was raising cotton. One year when everybody thought they were going to have a bumper crop, a little insect called the bow weevil invaded and devastated the crop. It destroyed the economy of this little town in Alabama. There were some farmers who were determined not to sit on that and go to the poorhouse. So they all got together and decided they would plant peanuts instead of cotton. They realized that the boll weevils didn't like peanuts. And so as a result, it repaired, the crop of, of peanuts was so great that it repaired the economy of this little town. Later on, the little town known as, anybody know the name of that town? Enterprise, Alabama. Anybody heard of Enterprise? Well, I used to drive through it all the time. Now, what they did, rather than taking that bad thing that the bow weevil liked to destroy their town, they erected a monument of the bow weevil because it could have been a curse, but rather than them looking at it as a curse, they saw it as a blessing. Now, I think about that. How many of us have having some pretty tough stuff, tough stuff happen to us right now? Maybe some things that we would look at, golly, this is a curse. This is terrible. This is an awful thing. But this awful thing that's coming against you may very well be like the bow weevil. It may be a blessing. And it may be something that coming against you may be tough right now, but later on. You see, God had given the greatest memorial of all in the bread and the cup, but here's the difference. The bow weevil brought death, but Jesus Christ and his death brought life. That's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We celebrate it as a memory of not only what Jesus did, but what he's doing in us and through us and through our bodies and his body and through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a couple of things, and then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper that I want to share with you. One is that the Lord's Supper is a commemoration. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four and 25, it said, When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, and after the same manner, the, this cup of the, new, of the new covenant in my blood, he said, Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus never told them to remember necessarily the birth or his life or his teachings, even though we should. But he focuses in here on himself, and he specifically says, we need to remember today the death of Jesus. 
because that death was for you. It had your name on it. It had your sin on it. And had you been the only one on the face of this earth, he would have died strictly for you. That's why, to me, it's so important that we understand that Jesus' death, even though the resurrection is what brings it into culmination, the death that he, when he shed his blood for you, he became that ultimate sacrifice, and we need to remember that as we come together uh, and celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's true that in a day when people agree that Jesus was a great teacher and philosopher and he was a great moral leader, Jesus himself also said, I want you to remember not just how I was born or how I lived, but how I died. You see, the Lord's Supper says each time we observe it, never forget that Jesus died for you and me. Thirdly, or secondly, the Lord's Supper is an time of appreciation. In verse 24, it says, and when Jesus had given thanks. You see, Andre Crouch wrote a song, and this song and the lyric says, how can I say thanks for all the things that you've done for me? Things so undeserved that you gave your life to prove your love for me. The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be I owe it all to thee. You see, when we come down, come to the Lord's Supper and around his table symbolically, we're, we're thanking God for him sending his son to set you and I free when it comes to our eternal life. The third, the Lord's Supper is a time of proclamation. Verse 23 said, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. The bread represents the Lord's uh, body, and the grape juice represents the Lord's blood shed for you and I. It's one of the finest ways, as I've said, that we can begin to explain to our kids and our grandkids of what salvation really means and what Jesus' life was all about as we explain to them the meaning of baptism and the meaning of the Lord's Supper. And then also, the Lord's Supper is a time of anticipation. For you see in verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Every time we take of the Lord's Supper, we're not only looking backwards, but we're also looking forwards. We're to, we're to take this supper, Jesus said himself, only un, we're to partake of this supper only until Jesus says when he comes back. The Lord's Supper is the link between the two comings of Jesus It's the picture of his death, also the promise of his coming. It points backwards to the crucifixion, but also forward to the time that Jesus comes to get us. And backward to the cross, but upward to the clouds. Because we know that Jesus, first of all, is going to come and receive his church in the clouds. The second coming in itself after the tribulation period, the Bible says he'll touch earth on, on, on this earth And it's a different type coming. And then last of all, the Lord's Supper is a time of an examination. In verse 27 and 8, it said, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup in an unworthily manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. But a man must examine himself in so doing. He is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. The word examine means to prove yourself, to qualify yourself. You see, what that means is you and I as followers of Christ... 
We have to make sure when we come to that Lord's Supper that we've accepted the Lord Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior and received him for the forgiveness of our sins. And second of all, being willing to be honest and to look into our lives and to examine and to see what sin is going on. What, what is actually, is there sin dangling participles in our life that we need to deal with? The Lord suffers when you and I do three, two, or three things towards sin. We need to identify it. You never come to Jesus and say, oh, Lord, forgive me all my sin. That's not the way God wants it. God wants to make sure you know what that sin is. Is it bitterness? Is it, is it lying? Is it a grudge? Uh, is it whatever it might be in our lives, whether it be something that we do or we think or what goes on in our life? Then rectify it, which means to confess and admit it and ask God to forgive us and then purify it. Make sure that your heart is clean before the Lord before we come to his time of the Lord's Supper. In one particular family who lived on a farm alongside a dirt road, only a rare occasion would an automobile even pass by, but this day was that rare day. His son was on a bicycle, and he went across the dirt road, and a car came racing down and ran over his son and killed him. His, he went, of course, to the scene, and there was the wrecked, twisted bicycle And the daddy picked up the bicycle and began to just wail and cry. He then took, as his littlest son followed him, and took the bicycle to the barn and placed it in a place that was not used that much. And and every time that dad would go through the barn and look at that bicycle, his tears began to stream down his face. As we think about that, I'm wondering... If we shouldn't toward our Lord Jesus who gave his life for us. If we shouldn't not take that for granted. But be as sensitive as this man was to the death of his son. And brought tears every time he saw the symbol of the bicycle and his son. See we have the symbol of the cross. We have the symbol of the baptism that he taught. We have the symbol of his life. And we have the fact that he lives within us. And when we come to this focal point of our, of, of our church life, and then, of course, next Sunday being Easter Sunday, and hopefully all of you are planning to be in church and, and, and somewhere worshiping Jesus. You know, one day we're going to spend eternity worshiping him, and I don't know why we find it so difficult on this earth to worship him, worship him now. Never let the communion service become just a mere formality with you, a tag on to the end of the service. That's why I spend time before we partake talking about this and focusing our mind and our hearts on this. And it should always be a tender and touching experience. Before we partake of the Lord's Supper, because the Bible does declare us to examine ourselves, I want us to spend just a few moments looking and thinking about our lives and thinking about this this week. And if you need to come and kneel at this altar, nobody's going to judge you and nobody's going to look on you. You can stay right you're at if you need to. But as we think of the time of the invitation and uh, as our vocalist comes to the stage, would you stand with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Father, before we honor you, with the honor that you have 
put upon us to be followers of you. Lord, may we focus on that very focal point that as you died, we must die. And as you were resurrected, we too were resurrected. And and Lord, we thank you for what you did for us. And even though we can't ever repay you, we could never serve you enough to pay back what you did. Lord, we do thank you for what you did do. And so, Lord, as we take these few moments to examine our own lives, God, just allow the church today, before our time of the Lord's Supper, to just look in our own hearts, in our own lives.